Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. And uh, we were able to get online giving going and our tithing during the shutdown and since has been wonderful. And uh, we appreciate that. In fact, give yourselves a big hand for that. We thank you so much. Amen. Everybody's clapping their hands like they're waiting for the, the, what's next. I will remind us what, about Malachi 3 and 8. Malachi 3 and 8 is just one verse amongst a lot. But when it speaks about how we can fall into the trap of robbing God, it mentions two things. It mentions tithes and offerings. And uh, since we've switched to the offering box, the offerings have really, really disappeared. And so I want to just remind you as your pastor, if you're a guest here tonight, if I'm not your pastor, we've got some wonderful saints from some other churches. They don't need to listen to me at all right now. They have their own pastors. But for this church, we want the full blessings of God. Amen. Now, you can set up offerings to, you know, automatic online, just like you set up tithing. Uh, We do have the offering box in the back with the envelopes. And as things continue to progress back, we'll probably eventually get back to maybe even passing a plate once in a while. That wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Maybe we'll do an offering march or something. But even if we don't put you on the spot by sticking something in front of you, we still need to honor God with our offerings and our tithe. The tithe is is not ours. It never was ours. It's it's automatic. The offerings is really where we show God, amen, what it's like from the abundance of our heart to show him how much we love him and to go above and beyond. So I'll just encourage you. If you've gotten out of the habit, there's no, I don't blame you. A lot of things have been messed up. But let's let's take a refocus, shall we? Amen? Good. There's a lot of amens, which means I don't have to teach on that tonight. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Thank you. Let's look at these scriptures. I'm thankful for the move of God that we have had already in this service. You feel the presence of the Lord in this place? There's a sweet presence of God in here, isn't there? And I, I don't know exactly how this message is going to come across, and we'll let the Lord uh, help us with that. But let's look at 2 Samuel 15, and I want to read several verses. I want to read 14 verses, so let's go quickly. And it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him, Absalom the son of David. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate, and it was so that when any man that had a controversy came unto the king for judgment, then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. And Absalom said, Moreover, oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. And on the manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. It came to pass after 40 years that Absalom said unto the king, I pray thee, let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed unto the Lord in Hebron. For thy servant vowed a while I abode in Geshur in Syria, saying, If the Lord shall bring me again into Jerusalem, indeed to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. And the king David said unto his son Absalom, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. But Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then ye shall say, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. And with Absalom went 200 men out of Jerusalem that were called, and they went in their simplicity, and they knew not anything. And Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor from his city, even from Gilo, while, they offer, while he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy was strong 
for the people increased continually with Absalom. And there came a messenger to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. And David said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, for we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring evil upon us and smite the city with the edge of the sword. And then I want to look at one more verse of Scripture. In John, the 10th chapter, And we want to just, let's look at 27. Let's look at 28 as well. Jesus speaking says it like this. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Amen. I know them, and they follow me. Amen. Tell somebody they look good in God's house. And everybody said, praise the Lord. God bless you. Thank you for being here. This is a great crowd tonight. And I appreciate you being faithful to God's house and your worship. It's just so wonderful. A lesson for today, we find and we receive from this singular event that happened somewhere around 980 B.C. in the life of King David and his son Absalom and Ahithophel. It's another example for us as we read through those verses It's another example that life and people don't necessarily change as much as we think. That as much as things seem to change, so often they stay the same. No matter what happens, no matter what you do, no matter how hard we try, there will always be an Absalom with an agenda trying to use you manipulate you. There will always be an Ahithophel stabbing us sometimes in our heart. Absalom is an example of the type of character that is most dangerous and and most dreadful. His wickedness was deliberate and studied. His actions are that of an evil-minded politician. He builds his plan over time. We read about it tonight. He builds it over time, many years actually, preparing and planning for the day that he would dethrone his own father and that he would take the place of King David. He sets himself up as important and surrounds himself with people who agree. He positions himself near the place of power, even though he cannot operate in the power of the place. Hmm. He would go with his entourage daily to the king's gate. This was where the king's judgment seat was. It was where people were to be able to come with their grievances and disagreements. And they were supposed to have opportunity from time to time to bring them to this seat of power and this seat of authority. But Absalom would show up there every single day. He would sit there in this place and he would look and he would listen for those that would show up. And when people would show up, he would say, ask them, are are you of one of the tribes of Israel? Or at least, who are you and where are you from? And if they said that they were of one of the tribes of Israel, he would perk up and he would converse with them. He didn't really care about anyone else. In fact, he really didn't care about them either. They were just his target audience. He would hear their pleas on the matters that were important to them. He was seemingly a sympathetic ear that just wanted to help. Just wanted to be there for them. Just wanted to help them out. And then he would acknowledge that he had no authority 
to help them. And he would point out that he really couldn't do anything about their problem. But 2 Samuel 15, 3 and 4, thy matters, he would say to them, are good. The things that you're concerned with are right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. The king is not here. He hasn't put anybody here to listen to what you have. He's not concerned with what you're going through. And moreover, Absalom would say, oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. Amen. If I had the opportunity, he says, I, I would take care of you. And if I was empowered, I, I could really help you out. And, and you came here today to get answers for what you're going through. And you needed a judgment. Now, but the king hasn't even put anybody here to hear what you have to say. What you're saying is good, I think. And what you, the way you think is right. In fact, I think the same way. And I wish I was the judge so I could help you and so I could give you justice. So I could make it better. He pandered to them. And he showed false love toward them. And he agreed with them always. You're right. What you're saying is right. What you're thinking is right. The way you feel is right. I feel the same way. I think the same thing. I say the same things. It's too bad that David hasn't, the king hasn't put someone here to listen to you because you really have an argument there and you've really been done wrong and you've really been hurt and they shouldn't have done what they did and you're really owed something for that and I wish I could do something about it. Oh, it would be so great if I was in power and if I had the authority to sit in that seat then I would really rule on your behalf. I would fight for you. I would do what you want. And in this manner, 2 Samuel 15 and 6, did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. He did this daily, and he did it to everybody that came of, that was of Israel. And so Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. It is a correct phrase that the translators use here. It's correct when he says he stole the hearts because it's not how you and I would use the phrase. It's not how we think. What it means here is literally to thieve. It means to deceive. It means he stole it. Under false pretenses, he stole it by saying things he couldn't back up. He stole it, acting as if he had authority that he didn't have and only telling them what they wanted to hear. He stole their hearts. It's not good when it's used this way. This is not how we would use the, the phrase in relationships to true love. Oh, oh, they stole my heart. No, it wasn't like that. He was a thief. He was a manipulator. He was a deceptor. He was thieving their hearts, stealing their love, trying to work them and manipulate them. He stole their hearts, their hearts. It begins, the heart does. It begins with the feelings, and the emotions, and it affects the intellect, and it ultimately affects the will. There is reason why our world is always messing with our emotions. There's reason why people are always playing on your heartstrings. Because our emotions are the gateway to our will. Jeremiah 17, it says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like a heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, uh, in a salt land, and then not uh, inhabited. Cursed is the man, it says, uh, who trusts in man, or trusts in humanity, but their heart is not towards God. Jeremiah 17 and 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. There's a reason why the enemy of your soul starts with your heart. Oh, hallelujah. There's a reason why the one who's looking to manipulate you, deceive you, and steal from you doesn't show himself as a thief but shows himself as a friend. The ones who hate you the most present themselves as loving you the most. 
It's often that that is the, is the way they come because it is the gateway to the will. So, well, then what shall we do, Pastor? What are we supposed to do? Proverbs 4, 20 and 26. My son, it says, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a forward mouth and perverse lips. Put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. We need to have a clear vision in this hour, and our vision is not coming from the media, and our vision is not coming from the entertainment and our vision is not coming from our fellow man it's got to come from a voice that we hear from a throne in heaven it's got to come from the clear voice of God we need clear vision that comes from clear direction from the clear voice of God we need sure steps he says that are taken on the right path with our eyes open we got to have our eyes open. we got to make sure to be diligent about the matters of the heart because that which we allow in the heart is going to affect our intellect and eventually affect our very will. we got to have vision. The issues of life are out of the heart. The very moral conducts of life are determined by the condition of the heart. Our moral conduct is determined by the condition of our heart. The battle is for our heart. Because if they get your heart, you become their puppet. And that's how I would say it. But Jesus said it like this in Luke 6, 45. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. They go for the heart because they want us to be their puppet. Absalom stole the hearts of the people. Every day, a few at a time, and he just kept it up for years. For years. You see, it may be easy to spot the thief who breaks down your door and tries to rob you. It's harder to recognize the one who offers to build you a house if they can just also have a key. Absalom brings God into his wicked plan, believe it or not. How dare he, how dare they. We cannot be surprised when wicked people use God to operate wickedly. In 2 Samuel 15, 7 and 9, and it came to pass after 40 years that Absalom said unto the king, I pray thee, let me go and, and pay my vow, which I have vowed unto the Lord in Hebron. He goes, he goes to his dad and he says, I, I made this vow to the Lord. You don't know anything about it. We didn't talk about it before, but I made a vow to the Lord and I have to go to Hebron. To, I have to fulfill it for thy, for thy servant vowed a vow while I abode at Geshur in Syria, saying, if the Lord shall bring me again indeed to Jerusalem, then will I serve the Lord. And the king said unto him, go in peace. So he arose and, and he went to Hebron. I got to go. I got to go because I, see, I, 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 I've made this vow to the Lord and I just I can't rest until I, until I get it right. David is perhaps maybe happy to see, hear, think that Absalom is expressing a heart towards God because it hadn't really been his nature thus far. And, and maybe, maybe David is thinking, this is good. I'm glad to see that, that he's starting to consider the things of God. And perhaps, perhaps a father struggles to see the wickedness of their children. 
It says, he go, go, he says, but go in peace. It's interesting to me that from everything we look and see, it's as if David doesn't know what is about to take place, that David is not aware that he's completely blindsided by the acts of, by the acts of his son Absalom to, to try to take over his throne. And even though he is unaware of what is going on, he doesn't know what's about to take place. When Absalom says, can I go? He says, go in peace. Go in, in, in peace. And Absalom has more to his plan. If this hasn't started to sound familiar yet, it should. If the, the actions of a man who will go to where the people are and make promises that he can't keep and set himself up as the one who could really come through for them, But Absalom has more to his plan. He invites a larger crowd to join him in his journey because when we let our emotions rule, crowd size is a direct response to correct thinking. But yet so often it is not. But when our emotions rule the day, we think, well, if everybody thinks it's a good idea, then it must be a good idea, which means that people who want to try to manipulate us have to get crowds of people. Matthew 7, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate. And broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. There's a reason why everybody's trying to get a crowd. There's a reason why they like to share the number and get the camera and say, look, and look at all the people we were able to get together. Because when we're ruled by our emotions, we think that crowd size means that they're correct in what they are saying. But they know that. They know that's how we think. They know that's how we feel when we're ruled by emotions, but we got to hear a voice that is higher than that, and we got to be a part of a plan that is bigger than that, and we got to remember the words of our Lord who said, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and there's a whole lot of people that are on it, but narrow is the way, and straight is the way that leads to eternal life. Some of the crowd was complicit in what was about to happen. 2 Samuel 15, 10, but Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel saying, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, you shall say, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. He says, as soon as, soon as I get the, 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 the okay to go from the king, as soon as we go and as soon as we get out, I want you to be out there amongst the people. Oh, Hallelujah. I want you to be out there amongst the people. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, which means me and my entourage are going, I want you to start shouting, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. I need one over there and one over there and I need one over there and I need somebody over there and I need someone standing on top of that building in that house and I need someone in that, that street corner over there and when you hear the trumpet, shout it out loud and keep shouting it, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. You see, they had already been completely won over. They were already convinced of the lies that they had been told. They were part of the conspiracy. Some of the crowd was not complicit now, I need you to pay attention here. Some of the crowd was not complicit, but got too involved to be able to back out. 2 Samuel 15, 11, And with Absalom went 200 men out of Jerusalem that were called, and they went in their simplicity, and they knew not anything. <laughs> Who were these people? Who are these people? Who are these 200 people that were called and they showed up? And when he was ready to march out, they were just like, yeah, well, let's do it. They were the people who had learned that Absalom liked to have an entourage. 
that he liked to have people around. They, they were people who would show up to be a part of the spectacle. They were never the main attraction, but they wanted to be around the main attraction. They had little to offer, but they gained popularity by association. So when the call would go out, they would come running. Maybe we'll be seen on the camera. Maybe we'll make the news. They weren't the star of the show, but they were always there in the background. There was really only one voice that was calling the plays, but they were always echoing whatever that voice had to say. And these, it says, they came in their simplicity. They didn't even know anything. They didn't know that Absalom had determined in his heart years ago that he was going to overthrow his daddy. They didn't know that he had spent every day out there by the king's court, by the throne, working one person at a time, one family at a time, one man of Israel at a time to try to get in their heart and steal their allegiance. They didn't know that he had planned, that he had spies in the land that were ready to shout exactly what he told them to shout, how he told them to shout it, and when he told them to shout it. They didn't know any of that. They were just people that showed up when there was a crowd and when something big was going down. They showed up in their simplicity because they didn't know anything. You have to be very careful with whom you associate. Association is so often recognized as allegiance. And when those in the know, when the spies in the know, when those who were really part of the plan begin to shout, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. All of a sudden, the 250 other people that were there that had come along for the ride, they had to make a very quick choice. They were there, and they're surrounded. They hear people shouting, Absalom reigns in Hebron, and Absalom reigns in Hebron, and they don't even know what's going on. But now they're in the crowd, and everybody's looking at them, the people on the streets, the people outside the synagogue, the people there in the market. Everybody's looking at the crowd, and they're hearing Absalom reigns in Hebron, Absalom reigns in Hebron, and all these other people that were called, that were there in their simplicity, had to make a quick decision. What am I going to do? And it already looked bad for them. Or it looked good. They had to make a choice. I, I got to pick a side. Isn't it interesting how discussion, conversation, even true debate doesn't exist? But you're always seemingly getting pushed into a corner out of the blue saying, choose, 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 choose. Decide right now. You have to make a decision right now. You have to do it now. It's very difficult to make the right decision when you're making it in the moment. Have your heart set on God ahead of time to have a, a mind that is after God ahead of time to have a relationship with God ahead of time to have ears that are tuned to the voice of the shepherd ahead of time to be on the narrow path ahead of time makes it a whole lot easier when the crowd starts shouting something that you don't know what's going on. You can just say, well, I've already got my allegiance. I already know who I'm with. I've already made my decision. I'm with the Lord. I'm on the Lord's side. It's a whole lot easier when you get it done in advance, it's harder. It's harder in the moment. It used to frustrate me when I was a teenager when people would be like, hey, you'd be like, hey, you want to do something this weekend? You know, and they'd be like, well, ask me again on Friday. 
which meant I want to see what else is on the table. Right? There were a few times in my young life where I did that. And you know what happened most of the time? When I would say, hey, somebody would say, hey, do you want to hang out? Do you want to do this? You want, you want to commit to this thing? And I'd be like, oh, I... most of the time you just end up doing nothing of any value. But in our society today, it's less likely that you're going to end up just sitting at home doing nothing. And it's more likely that you're going to end up getting swept in. Why, why is everybody shouting about Absalom? I don't, I don't know what's going on. Did, did David die? Did something happen to the king? I don't, why, are they, why are they blowing trumpets? And why, does, why is he uh, up on the, the chariot? And why is this, what's going on? Absalom reigns in Hebron. Absalom reigneth in Hebron. Absalom lined up some strategic people too. Is everybody all right? He lined up some strategic people of power to help him. But by strategic, I mean it's important when you're trying to manipulate and deceive. It's important when you're trying to play on people's heartstrings or when you're trying to cause a coup or dethrone a king. It's important not so much that you have everybody on your side. It's important that you have strategic people. And he already had so much of the everyday man that he had worked on for years. And he also had the spies that he had obviously conspired with and they worked together. And, and of course he had the 250 that were not really understanding what was going on, but had become part of the crowd. But, 2 Samuel 15, 12, and Absalom sent for Ahithophel the Gilanite, David's counselor, from his city, even from Gilo, where he offered sacrifices, and the, the conspiracy was strong. And the conspiracy was Strong, for the people increased continually with Absalom because this was the guy. This was the strategic guy that Absalom really had to have. It was a man close to David. It was a man that everybody knew was David's counselor. Indeed, even a friend. And when this man, Hithophel, when Hithophel put himself with Absalom, it made the conspiracy strong. David's reaction upon hearing about his friend, Ahithophel, is actually recorded in the 41st Psalm. In Psalm 41 and 9, in reaction to this, he says, Yea, my own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Mine own familiar friend, uh, that, that phrase, uh, it, it means uh, the man of my peace. The man of my peace. He was a confidant. He was someone that when he was around, David trusted and David would share with him and listen to what he had to say. He was a counselor to the king and Absalom got him. Now there's history there that you can study about Hithophel and there's, there's some past issues there that maybe he had held on for, for, for too long or maybe never quite forgiven David of. But yet here he was, a counselor to the king, but he was conspiring against him. And David trusted him. 
He was the other side of the two-edged blade that wounded David that day. His son and his friend conspired against him. The world is full of Absaloms. The world is full of Absaloms. We hope, yea, we pray not to have many Ahithophels. But when Absaloms and Ahithophels get together, kingdoms fall. Destruction comes. And good yet gullible people follow them into their own damnation. I remind us this tonight. I remind us that these men had their end. 2 Samuel 18 and 9, And Absalom met the servants of David, and Absalom rode upon a mule, and the mule went under the thick boughs of a great oak, and his head caught hold of the oak, and he was taken up between the heaven and the earth, and the mule that was under him went away. And in the heat of the battle, in the midst of a thick woods, he literally got caught by his head in a tree and hung, hanging there, still alive, but with no way to escape. He hung there waiting in Second Samuel 18 and 14 and then said, Joab, Hey, I may not tarry thus with thee. And he took three darts in his hand and thrust them through the heart of Absalom while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak. I'll remind you that these people have an end. I'll remind you that they can very quickly going from the one on the chariot with the crowd and the entourage and the lights and the smoke and the stage and the trumpets, they can go very quickly from that to the one hanging helpless in a tree while their life is draining out of them. 2 Samuel 17 and 23, And Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, and he saddled his ass, and he arose and got him home to his house, to his city, and he put his household in order. He was friends with the king. He shared bread <laughs> at the king's table. He had the confidence of David. And he sold him out because he thought, I better jump on the bandwagon of the next guy. And he, his heart was stolen by Absalom's deception, and he believed the lies and was manipulated until he opened up his voice and tried to give counsel to Absalom, and Absalom did not want to hear anything that Ahithophel had to say because he really didn't want a counselor. He just wanted someone close to the king. He had no use for him after that. I say it again, we've got to be very careful with our allegiance. We've got to be very careful for those that we will throw our lot in with or the crowds that we will join, the parades that we will put ourselves in, so to speak. We've got to be very careful with who we will stand shoulder to shoulder with because they may have sold us a line. They may have manipulated our heartstrings and they may not have anything at all that they want to do with us except use us, abuse us, and then discard us. And the man realized of the 
mistake that he had made and he travels home and he puts his affairs in order and he hangs himself and so both of them Absalom not of his own will but the way he hangs himself in a tree and dies pierced in the heart and I would have to think that Ahithophel when he was hanging himself was also pierced in his heart that he turned his back on a great king and he sold him out for nothing nothing you see they have their end they all have their end But what will our end be? I hope this form of preaching tonight is a little different, I know, but I hope we're beginning to understand what I'm trying to say is that they all have their end and what looks good one day can be a nightmare the next. And just because it's felt good to our heart doesn't mean that it's good because they have our they have an end and we will have an end and when we hear a call to choose a side or make a decision when we are urged coerced advised and encouraged when we are pressed prompted and pressured lord help us to remember in the old testament after israel made their golden calf because their leader was up in the mountain for what they thought was too long. He comes bound down off the mountain and he sees their golden calf. And in Exodus 32 and 26, and then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. But I will remind you, that was just a decision moment that had to take place. And those that had committed themselves to God, it was the Levites that had sold themselves to God, dedicated themselves to the work of God. They were the ones who said, we are on the Lord's side. But after the decision was made and nobody else was coming over, he tells them to go and pull the sword off and kill every one of the others. And they do, and there's a massive slaughter that day because God said through his man, who is on my side? And they didn't know because they had thrown their lot in with the type that want to make golden images, the type that want to tear off their clothes and perverseness and debauchery. They had thrown in their lot with people who just wanted to drink and party and have a good time. And Moses is up there getting the Ten Commandments and they didn't want anything to do with that. And so when it comes to deciding who is on the Lord's side in the Old Testament, there were consequences. And yet we get to the New Testament and we see Jesus says in Matthew 12 and 30, he that is not with me is against me and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. You got to make a choice. You got to choose this day. Who are you going to serve? You got to understand the consequences you got to understand that everything that you're being promised from the people of this world is not going to come to pass. And they have little authority to even accomplish what they're trying to accomplish because every person that is trying for your time and for your money and for your energy and for your allegiance, every one of them is just an Absalom standing near the king's throne trying to operate as if they have the power and the authority to be there. But there is only one king who sits upon the throne and I don't care about all the Absaloms. I want to hear the voice of the king. So there is only one thing that matters. John 10, 27, 28. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Everywhere you go today, every 
time you turn on a TV or open up an internet site, a newspaper, or a radio. Doesn't matter. Somebody, somewhere, is trying to pluck you, pull you, persuade, yea, push you onto their side. world is full of Absaloms. And the devil knows that Absalom alone might not get you. He knows that Absalom might not be able to do it on his own. So he's always looking for Ahithophel. He's looking for someone that you listen to. Someone that you trust. He's looking for someone that's close to you. He's looking for someone who's close. Absaloms can't get close because everything they say it's just words. It's just it's just words. There's no history. There's no real connection. Just a guy standing there trying to sell you something. But oh, if he can get an Ahithophel, and I need somebody to hear, Pastor, now I hope that God, that you don't have to deal with an Ahithophel, but I need you to hear me just in case. If he can get to an Ahithophel, somebody who's close to you to try to get you. You have, you gotta have it deep down. There's gotta be something deep down that says even if my closest companions try to lead me astray, I hear the voice shepherd I hear the voice can I tell you something today our world has made it a bad thing to be a sheep I routinely hear now people as part of their argument saying you're just a bunch of sheep just following after. It don't matter what side they're on. It don't matter what their agenda is. It doesn't matter the message they're trying to portray everyone else besides them. It's just sheep following after in their ignorance. Dumb sheep just following after voices. But I'll remind you that Jesus said, that he has sheep. And he said, my sheep hear my voice. Hallelujah. They know who I am. They know what I sound like. They know what I like and what I don't like. They know what's real and what's a lie. They know what I would say and what I would never say. They know what I would do and what I would never do. My sheep know my voice and they follow me and I know them. I know them. I know them. And so pastor came tonight just to remind us as a church, it's all right to be a sheep if you've got the right voice. It's all right to be a sheep if you know the right voice. Stay on the narrow path. Follow after the righteous way. Don't get caught up in the nonsense. Jesus is coming for his people and we got to make sure our ears are tuned to the voice of the shepherd. Stand and ever, let's all stand and clap our hands under the Lord. Let's worship the Lord just a little bit. Huh. 
are not capable. Hear me. We are not capable. We were not created capable of knowing everything evil that is being done. Satan has gotten really good at what he does. The facades are very real. What is it now that, that they've been telling us about now for a while with these deep fake? We're now, the, the AI technology is so good now that they can, they can put a face on a screen and they can make it say whatever they want it to say and you can't tell that it's not the person that you think it is. Even people who have for a long time have pushed artificial intelligence and AI and said this is the answer to everything, even some of those people, if you'll just read about it a little bit, are now backing out of it because they are scared to death about the repercussions of what happens when someone that everyone knows, there's a video that comes out and they're saying something that you never thought they would say. Our world has gotten very good at the lie. They're very good at the false, at the manipulation, the deception. But this is why he says, I wanna keep it simple. I'm your shepherd. You're my sheep. You just have to know one voice. Listen, we weren't created to be able to decipher it all, determine it all, and know it at all. We're not supposed to be able to, we, we, we're, there's no way we could figure it all out, and there's no way we could put everybody into the right category. It's evil and good, moral and, and, and immoral, righteous and unrighteous. There's no way we could do it, and that's not what we're supposed to be doing with our time anyway. We've got a call of God to evangelize our world. We've been told to go and reach the lost. We've been told to share the gospel. I don't got time to hear what everybody has to say. I just want to hear Jesus. If Jesus speaks, I will listen. Lift your hands and begin to talk to the Lord right now. Come on, just begin to talk to the Lord. I don't really... Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.